0: was your christmas oh it was good you
1: kind of sound creepy i'm not you, gonna lie right you, now i'm a little skeeped you, up by this you whole know
0: play. you know tom my, mine was good too and you know what i love about <laughs> today i sound creepy because i'm hung over <laughs> okay this, this is
2: great because <laughs> I would, is, there I, were so many
1: different ways this could have gone and you gone. might do this
2: If you're not getting educated about real estate market conditions, whether you're a real estate agent, a broker, you're a real estate coach, mortgages, finance, accounting, anyone that's involved in the transaction, you're doing yourself and your clients a disservice. This is the Knowledge Brokers Podcast. I'm here with a slow Byron Lazine and Lisa Chinati. And another week of good news for housing. Also, some some headwinds happening with the DOJ that we're going to talk about and some bills getting introduced in the house and senate but i want to start with the good news i'm a positive pete today six and a half percent local rate quotes on 30-year fixed mortgages we talk about at the beginning of the show how it's a disservice if you're not getting educated about the market if you're an agent not calling every single person in your database right now that had any thoughts of buying or selling over the past 24 months telling them that didn't by the way telling them hey have you seen rates have come down to six and a half percent i've got A six and a half percent local rate quote right now. I believe you're doing them a disservice because some of these people have pulled out of the market and aren't paying attention. Lisa and Byron, what are you doing in your organizations, at your teams to push the word out? And how are your agents using this good news to get in front of more consumers?
1: I'll let Byron go first. What you got?
0: Yeah, I keep pushing the, you know, look at where the rates were. You can look at Mortgage News Daily and you can look at the chart and look at where the rates were when you were on showings last because there's a lot of people uh in everybody's database that have have had you know moments of time this year where they were aggressive on showing homes and then they've pulled back like you said tom from the market and they're not touring homes right now when they were touring homes what was the rate and is it better today it likely is and show them the difference uh the other thing and this is something the isa uh team's doing a really good job of is when you're not getting engagement back so somebody's kind of withdrawn from you know responding to you know information or properties you know a lot of times as agents or isa teams were sending properties hey have you seen this new one hit the market have you seen this new one hit the market and you're just not getting a response back what what we're doing is I see that you're looking in these two towns, mostly just want to share with you the market data for the last 30 days on, on the two towns that you've been looking that most interested in. So not asking for an appointment, um, not showing another property, just saying, Hey, put together the market data for you. Here it is. These are the towns that, that you've been looking at and sharing that with them. So. Uh, I think that you've got to, especially right now, these couple weeks as we end out the year, you've really just got to be in giving mode. So giving the difference on the price, giving the market data without them asking, don't wait for them to ask what's going on the market, just send it over.
1: Yeah, so I agree with that. I think the thing that we're leaning into is remembering that we can provide the data uh, to kind of continue to build brand or not, brand or market knowledge or recognition without uh, pushing consumers. I don't think it's going to be possible, given where we are with the holiday season right now, to push a consumer to take action. But I think uh, equally as important is kind of being able to explain that it's not a now or never opportunity. But to Byron's point, I think being able to come up with pricing, being able to help them understand their buying power um, and providing some Insights, I always I always lead with, I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, you know the data can kind of tell us some stuff and lead us to the potential of what the future is gonna look like and help consumers make decisions that are best for them. For us, it's communicating across the board. I'm posting just about daily information into our Slack channels so that our agents have it in front of them Jason's working on scripting around things like calls through their database. The marketing team is working on uh, content for emails that will hit our entire database. Uh, but the, the bulk of it is the, the actual conversations.
2: The the conversations are what light up all the marketing. We've heard this a number of times. Um, I shared a chart. Um, I have Haley put it up. This table can be recreated for anybody. And you know, a lot of agents, they get, they get nervous about doing math. Uh, and you don 't have to be good at math to sell real estate let 's I mean it helps don 't get me wrong but let 's be very clear so there 's a table that um, our local lender uh, mortgage america put together we 've been working with these guys for over a decade, and it said hey here 's your payment principal and interest based on the loan amount and they did it at six and a half percent six point seven five seven seven and a quarter, cetera, and as low as and then they had a three percent column in there and I would keep that table up in visual because instead of trying to do the math and do the calculation. You can just look at it. You, you ever do, I don't know if you guys have seen how they do math now at schools. This is like wild to me where they have like the charts and they write down like they do like all this cross section stuff. It's like a multiplication table. Literally agents could say, all right, so right now we're at six and a half percent on a $400,000 loan. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, Lisa, the payment on that would have been $2,935. Now you're at $2,528. So we're seeing, a 400 plus dollar drop in your payment how does that affect your real estate plans over the next 6 12 18 months right. and and it's it's that simple but you value based follow up is what matters here and we've talked on this sh- on, on the pod here a number of times the um following up the follow up i'm checking in like that shit does not work especially in the current climate obviously being persistent is a great skill i'm not saying don't do that but know what you're going to say Lisa, you had a great point about the holidays. People do things for their reasons, not yours. Yep. So, if you're delivering value and you're just letting them know what's going on in the market, real estate's all about the long game and too many agents are used to that short-term payoff from the unicorn years of 20 to 22. This simple chart can make a massive difference in your business if you're going to keep it out when you're making phone calls and talking to people and just understand how how it's going to impact them on a monthly basis. It's like having free utilities or free taxes or hey, here's a Here's a car payment that's now incorporated in your housing payment. You can spin it a lot of different ways. It's, it's real savings. Since April, we have uploaded new and sought-after courses, content, and tactical
0: assets for your business into the BAMX platform. Not articles behind a paywall that only pontificate to you what you should think and do, but education that actually shows you how to do what you need in today's market. Every day, we continue to add more content into BAMX and our private Facebook community. Content that works. Content that our members have exclusive access to daily. It's why over 1,500 of you and climbing have joined us in BAMX. It's also why tomorrow's price is guaranteed to be higher than today's. That's called inflation. Do not wait any longer. Use code KNOWLEDGEBROKERS and join the thousands of agents taking their business to the next level
2: today. Code KNOWLEDGEBROKERS for 10% off. See you in BAMX. If you're looking to level up your business, scale it out, be able to manage more clients, have a bigger pipeline, you're going to need a reliable CRM. And as a Boomtown user since 2016, we've got some exciting news that KV Core and Boomtown are now part of the same family. And that means they've come together, they're using all their knowledge, all their tech, and they're making an even better CRM that's going to help you scale your business, sell more houses, talk to more people, and manage your leads more efficiently. And if you're like Lisa, She's in her CRM every week. She's in our CRM every day. I think that's what she does in her free time. And she's constantly looking at it to make sure that the opportunities aren't slipping through the cracks. That's what a great knowledge broker does. So if you want to get your business to another level, lean into Boomtown. Visit boomtownroi.com slash knowledge brokers for more information. Again, it's boomtownroi.com slash knowledge brokers. I'm a boomer since 2016, it's leveled my business up tremendously lisa loves her crm byron does too you should do the same get with boomtown
1: oh i like that but what's included i gotcha
2: there's a lot of um
0: agents that are getting you know i mean this happens it's not now it's always but get into their head like oh man this person they just create a story in their head they keep telling this person doesn't want to talk to me i'm gonna you know hold off on them hold off on them Hold off, and the more you just keep holding off on these people you should be having conversations with, the more you will look back and see that they end up transacting somewhere else. And so you you got to get that story. You know, if you're coaching an agent on your team or helping an agent, uh, or for your business yourself, you got to get that out of your head and just have the conversations, even if you're just leading in with curiosity and seeing where people are at. I called a homeowner yesterday um, and I, you know, I have a relationship with this person. So I asked her something about something non real estate related. And then my second question was, Hey, if the number was right, cause I know she owns multiple properties. Would you be open to selling the one here in town? And she's like, absolutely. She's not on the market. Hasn't been on the market. This was just like a random question. Hey, I'm just curious. Cause I know you spend a lot of time up at, Uh, you know, I'll put your home in New Hampshire and your other home in, in Florida. Like, would you be open to that? Absolutely. She said, right buyer, right. Showing
2: I'd be absolutely open to that.
0: And without asking, I would have never
2: known. There's, there's more people, especially when the, when they own other homes, I, I find that's one of the interesting sellers right now. Um, I had a, we were doing one of our call nights. I was doing some circle dialing around a couple properties we sold. And the first question, it was the same thing, Byron. Hey, could, could I get 600 for my home? Well, I, I don't know. I need to talk about it, et cetera. Um, and then the, the guy said, well, you can't come in. My wife's not on board, but we own multiple properties down the shore and in Florida. And I want to move there. And if the number's right, we can maybe do this. So we, you know, I did something a little unconventional, put together a video CMA for this gentleman. And the next call is, hey, I'm going to Florida next week. Most people, the the snowbirds up here, they're not like Byron. They go down every weekend. They're like, it's like, it's like January through May is kind of the, it's kind of what I've, what I've seen. I don't know what you see, Lisa, in your market. And he goes, I'm back in May. Keep me posted. I see you got a new listing right in my neighborhood. Let me know when that sells and let's talk then. And this was from the the call was initially like, Hey, I don't know anyone moving in the neighborhood because that's what you ask when you're circle dialing. And then you followed up with, or I followed up with, Hey, so you know, um, the gentleman's name is Mike. So, Mike, I, I know you're not ready to do anything right now. If you ever did decide to move, where would you want to go to, even if it's five or ten years down the line? And that opened up the conversation, the same thing you're talking about, Byron, because you're asking questions that people may have an answer to. And sellers should be, you know, wary that, I mean, we're, we're, I mean, Josh Rubin and some other people say we're at an inflection point in the market. There's some people that have been thinking about cashing out for a couple of years now, and it, it's, I, I think they're getting to a point where now that rates have come down, they realize it might be their best opportunity to do it. Yeah. Don't, don't
0: tell yourself a story that this person's never going to move. Very few people that you have a relationship with regardless of age uh, are not going to die in the home that they're living in. Okay. They're going to transact a few more times. And, and sometimes it just takes presenting the question for them to, start getting serious about the thoughts they've been having of doing something.
1: So much opportunity. It's just a function of being ready to take advantage of it.
0: On opportunity. I want to, I want to get you guys opinion on this. We haven't talked about this um, off the pod or or on the pod. Well, we've talked about it in a sense that, you know, we're at this bottom point right now on transactions, seasonally adjusted, you know, like 3.8. There was a projection uh, that I just saw this week from, uh, it was either Redfin or realtor.com. I think it was Redfin, where every quarter, it shows it stepping up to 4.5 million seasonally adjusted by quarter four of next year. So they've got transactions going up uh, throughout this year, which would be great, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, futures bright, that's great news in december right now because maybe it's just the last three or four weeks because you know mortgage demand has gone up the last three or four weeks with with the rate going down and and i think you know a lot of people have felt that in their business do you think are you getting the feeling in your markets that there's going to be a similar light switch in the second week of january that we experienced last year. Are you starting to lean more towards that or that it's going to be more of a grinded out volatile week by week situation? Remember the light switch in like the second week of January this year, where fourth quarter was really bad. And then you had that significant pop in demand and sellers and activity that was different from November and December this last January are we going to experience another one of those? Lisa, what's your crystal ball I think it's say? Going to
1: be, what is what? What
0: does your crystal ball say? What's your I'm gut sure. say? What do you feel? What do you, what do you feel right now?
1: I, I think it's going to be steadier based on what I'm, I don't know what you guys are seeing in your market, but my gut says that it is a, a more steady, uh, January. Like I don't, The interesting thing is that I was just sitting out on the sales floor before we scheduled photos for two properties next week that are going to be listed next week. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're not seeing people pull back for the holidays. Like we historically did right last year, the year before in, in a very traditional market, my gut says that we actually remain in a very steady market until the end of January to mid February. And then we actually hit our spring market, but that the down isn't a down, and that I don't think we have a pop. I think it just stays far steadier than we're all used to seeing. That's my gut. And I think that there's some stuff kind of looking at what's going on in the data across the country um, in terms of new listings coming on market is still strong nationally compared to historic averages. Mm-hmm. So. Not like majorly high, but definitely stronger than I think what we all would have predicted even six weeks ago when we were kind of looking at a high interest rate environment. And I, I think we're just going to see it be steady. That's my take.
0: Okay, that that's good. We like steady. We like consistent.
2: I, I tend to agree um, with Lisa. Um, I'm, I might be, you know, a little little more optimistic just because I, I the amount of folks that have said, and I'm I'm on these calls, so maybe my perspective is a little different. Hey, i um, like, call me in the spring turns into call me in January real quick. And um, I look back historically pre 2020, I, I charted some data and, you know, I, I know we, we've all been in coaching for a while. And, and one of the things that they tell you to do was like make some short term bets in the, uh, in the in the month of December. So um, I have a, a mentor that I worked with. His name's John Collins. He's been in the business like 30 plus years. Uh, and he, he and he and I made a bet who could take the most listings the month of December. This was 2018 or 2019. And we we both topped out at five, right? And it was like hand-to-hand combat, grind it out. And then all of a sudden in January, I took like 14 or 15 listings because it was all the work leading up to that. So I see more opportunity than we saw last winter, Lisa, for, for listings. I think more sellers are open-minded about this because of yeah. one, there was some data out there. I'm not sure where it came from, but it's, uh, it's one out of four sellers is thinking about making a move this year, or, or one out of four homeowners, excuse me. So there's more people like that. And to take it one step further, a lot of we all said it was going to be a cold winter. I I see this winter as being more transactionable than last winter, not because the pop of January, Byron, you mentioned is because rates hit like the fives like they had a five handle. Yeah, we got them down to
0: five nine nine. So there was
2: that there was that moment in time where that happened. What I'm seeing now is that there's opportunities in the market. There's homes that are sitting on the market, which is opportunities for buyers. 41% of buyers have a home to sell. So (laughs) I'm seeing these things happen that if you're getting the word out properly, you're having the right conversations with people. You're talking about asking questions, Byron. That's that's the move. Hey, did you realize homes are on the market a little longer? Hey, I'm not sure if this is going to be for you, but we've seen rates come down and there's been some homes sitting on the market. We might be able to get a better price than you would think because people forgot that you used to be able to negotiate sales prices prior to 2020 the average list of sales price ratio in our marketplace is between 94 and 97%. this year it's been above 100. so that that difference that that and if we're going and i'm not, it's not gonna, i don't think it's going to come down to 94%. i don't see that happening but hey what if you got like an offer like 10 grand off the asking price? a lot of people are going to feel pretty good about that right now and that's very doable. so and there's scripts that you want to use like hey i'm not sure if this is going to be for you but the most savvy home buyers and home sellers what they'll do is they start planning now so they can jump on the pop in inventory that we see after January 1st. So they can be ready when that new home comes on the market. Would you be open-minded to setting up a meeting? Or we can just talk about your goals. I have no intention of doing anything else other than educating you. And for the people that are serious, they're gonna transact. And then that's how you build your list of of clients for the first quarter and the second quarter. And it might take you six, eight months to get them under contract, but that's normal. That's not what agents are used to coming out of the pandemic and everything that happened and i think that's that's where i'm more optimistic because i know how to work in this market and we're teaching the same things to what people on our team i know you two are doing the same thing um i i like steady because steady's where you can take market share the, the other part that i'm
0: optimistic about to i think you you said it there with the sellers is that there's going to be more seller opportunities not only because there's more people thinking about selling i think there's more people that are getting pushed into, it's like, I've got to make this move because either one, my financial situation is not as strong. You know, you've seen savings get depleted and now, you know, uh, interest rates on these credit cards are at a really high number. And some people have some carrying some debt and they've got equity in their home, but to refinance the equity, maybe their credit's not, you know, there's, there's more of those conversations that are happening now than at any point in the last three years. So you've got some sellers in that category where it's like, let me just go make a move, restructure my financial situation by selling the house and getting into maybe a different deal um, or even maybe even a rental. Right. You also just have uh, people sick of waiting to do the move. And this is one of Zillow's predictions for 2024 that there are going to be homeowners that just say, okay, the rate is what it is. I'm more comfortable with it than I was a year ago. I'm going to go ahead and make, put this home on the market and and be on, on the, the buy side. the The one issue that we're having is a lot of them are shopping before they put their house on the market. I mean, we're seeing that it's like they want to they're a seller, but they want to shop, shop, shop. The inventory is not there. And so their inventory, their home that they're going to be bring on the market is getting held up in the background because they're not willing to place it on the market till they find something. That's the challenge.
1: Yeah, I think to the other point, I think what we're seeing is the, the pain of those that have been waiting, right? Needed more space, but going to make do. I think there's a certain timeline when that pain has just hit like critical mass and it's just no longer worth worth the pain to save the money. I think that's another part of what's coming into play.
0: Yeah. And I think that's in line with um, with what Zillow's prediction is. So another reason to be optimistic inflation is lower than I think is being reported. Okay. And there's a lot of data that points towards this just right now, while we're recording the pod, there's a breaking a uh, piece on CNBC inflation expectations plunge in closely watched university of Michigan survey consumer fears over inflation tumbled in December. So in the latest sentiment survey, the one year outlook for inflation rate slid to 3.1% down sharply from just, from just in November at 4.5%. So huge drop off on the way consumers are thinking and feeling about inflation. Uh, the five-year outlook has also moved lower down to a 2.8% from 3.2% the previous month. Uh, I I feel the same way. So I'm like, you know, I'm feeling the way that these consumers are feeling that inflation is not nearly as high as the numbers suggest. And once we get into quarter one of 24, we're going to have a full year now of decelerating rents. Um, It's not just going to be a three-month trend, six-month trend, nine-month trend. It is going to be over 12 months of decelerating rents, and that data has got to at some point catch up into inflation. And when you see that catch up, you will see inflation drop sharply, just like these uh, sentiments from this Michigan survey have dropped sharply.
2: Well, and, and you look at the what the Fed's going to do next week. They have that meeting coming up. I mean, it's a 98.2% chance they hold rates right now. And and there was some stuff circulating, uh, I think it was ING, um, that, that said, hey, like we may start to see some rate cuts next year, which I found pretty fascinating. I'll believe that when I see it, because the Fed doesn't seem to follow logic. Byron, you've been on this inflation data for a while with the, uh, the rental data. I mean, this is something we've been talking about. and it, It's like, oh, wow, six months later, it finally caught up. I, I just... So there, there's a lot of stuff to be optimistic about when it, when it looks at the direction of the economy and rates and affordability. I mean, uh, even Morgan Stanley had that, uh, study. It was like a 59 page study. They feel like affordability is going to uh, be on the rise, uh, next year for the housing market, which is all really good stuff. I think it's, it, it's, it's nice to have some positive news. Cause let's face it, this year has been a little rough in the real estate industry. So I'm, I'm, I'm a positive Pete today.
1: Yeah. And the, I don't, the jobs data that came out this week was also fascinating. Also tying in a whole bunch of stuff, just kind of um, starting to impact. And it's kind of like we've been saying for months that it takes a while, the leading and lagging indicators and just needed to give it time to shake out. So I'm glad they held rates for a while so that it, I think really will be the soft landing that everybody was hoping for.
0: The the jobs data shows you that um, you have a lot of companies still investing into 2024 right now. Uh you also have our government investing cuz every single time one of these job job reports comes out, government is in the top 3 for adding jobs. So like this one here today was um government was number 2 out of the 199,000 uh new payrolls. Government was 49,000 of them. So um the government doesn't seem to care about inflation at the rate on which that they're hiring um because they they are just consistently adding uh payrolls into the economy every single time you see one of these reports they're, they're in the top three um so th- they don't seem to be worried about it but the overall the jobs report shows us that we have a strong economy and that's why you saw the 10-year tick up a little bit today mm-hmm. from where it's been over the week, um, the third the weekly survey from um, Freddie Mac came in at seven point oh three, which is the lowest in a while. When you look at the week, that was just a great number. I'd be interested to see where the thirty year goes today here to close out the week. It might tick up a little bit because the ten year ticked up, yeah. but we've been in a pretty good spot there.
1: It's so good. It's like Christmas came early.
0: Yeah, and that's why I'm getting more. I'm like, okay. I think January now could could really be out the gates, kind of like this year. I'm starting to like. I'm starting to lean over there a little bit. Well, historically, and and I, and I go ahead. I, I'm not trying to pump anybody up to some big, huge, like sh- like massive shift in in inventory or something like that. I'm just saying, I think you don't have to sweat about there being significant amount of opportunities for your business in January. You don't have to sweat that
2: they'll be there. I have a butt though. You gotta be doing the work now or the opportunities will pass you by. And that's what I think a lot of agents need to get their head out of their ass here. And the knowledge brokers are doing this. They're talking to people, having conversations, having meetings. This is not the month to take off. Ed Milette said this. It's called holidays, not hollow months, right? What's I'm looking at my calendar here. I'm seeing Christmas Eve. Okay. Check. You celebrate Hanukkah, take a couple nights off, whatever you're doing there. Christmas day, I'll be off day after Christmas. Sure. And you got like new year's fine, but that's four days. Let's call it maybe five. If you're doing something else, plus whatever weekend activities you're getting, you're getting done out of 31. So if you're mailing it in for the other, let's see, let's carry the math. here. So it's 24 other days, Lisa, 24 other days. You and I are Saturday phone call warriors, by the way. So we're, I mean, we have accountability around that. there's, it's so easy to get people on the phone this time of year. And if you don't know what to say, call your past clients. Just say, hey, happy holidays. I appreciate you. And that goes such a long way. But you can't take the whole month off and go on a bender with eggnog and wear an ugly sweater for the next 25 days or whatever you're going to do. This is the mistake. But, sounds like make. you might
1: know something about that.
2: I, I, I've yeah. seen <laughs> it happen. I saw Lisa at our pub crawl uh, that we, we go on. She's, she's like, oh, where, where's the sweaters, guys? What's going on? So. The Christmas
0: holiday is on a Monday this year. I believe great day yeah. to get and some so, work done
2: and have a productive
0: week.
1: I love that. Yep. And, totally take off Saturday, Sunday, take off Monday and then grind.
0: And, and so my wife says, I want to get the girls over to one of our relatives house. I said, well, we'll do it Monday. She goes, no, we're doing, we're staying at our house Monday. I said, well then we'll do it Sunday. No, I don't. I said, listen, you've got Saturday, you've got Sunday or you've got Monday. Those are the three options. I'm not Christmasing any other day of the year besides those three days. If you can fit it in in that window, great. If not, we're not going there. Okay. So, oh, no, you're got Scrooge, it. dude. He's got it on Saturday. No, I'm just not going to do Christmas all week. Yeah. Like, to Tom's point, I'm not doing Christmas on Wednesday again. Uh, I'm not doing no. it the Wednesday before. Well, and that's the window. What, what, you got three days. It's a long yeah, time. Yeah,
2: but I mean, it, it, it's a nice break, and and where I'll go with it too. I mean, I think there are there's ways. Let's say, you know, Byron, you got some young kids. I got young kids. Lisa's shipped hers off to another state, so she doesn't have to worry about that. But um, it,
1: my children are home for the uh, holidays.
2: Uh, one time, <laughs> she lets them uh, sit on her couch in Boston. You have to you have to take your shoes off. You're not allowed to. You know, not allowed to use the downstairs bathroom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> these are your rules I, in my house I, not my I rules, my rules my I, didn't,
0: I didn't take my shoes off i, I didn't Lisa's either i was
2: joking around uh, i
1: actually said do not take your shoes was... off and i said sit on my couch and... lisa
2: you you love you love the razzing so the the point is though like you can maybe have a okay it's the day after christmas i'm gonna hang out with my kids in the morning but you still got all after like that tuesday i'm going to be making phone calls and doing things later in the day i can't sit around all day watching god knows what's on tv and, and you know i mean that's that's the thing you got to think about. And what, what knowledge brokers do is they have a time block schedule, right? So you could time block this and you can do things that it's really easy to avoid. And like that day, that Tuesday, you know, what's going to be really easy to do. Get people to talk to you on the phone because they're going to be home. It's just like when you make calls like New Year's Day or the second, like these are high appointment setting days that you can actually go out and, and, and do some damage. And I'm with you, Byron, like three days. I mean, it's like that's what you get for a holiday weekend. I mean, it's not much different. Thanksgiving adds on one extra day. That's it. You get, I mean, actually, it's two because you get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, no, it's one extra day. So, do that, but don't take off the whole month.
0: Yeah, if you have a serious buyer, too, you're still going to need to be engaged with them. Um, And to your point, you call them on Tuesday and you just say, hey, Tom, how was your Christmas? it was good you kind
1: of this, sound creepy i'm not you, gonna lie right you, now i'm a little skeeped you, up by this you know play.
0: you know tom my, mine was good too and you know what i love about <laughs> today i sound <laughs> creepy because i'm hungover this, okay this is great because <laughs> is, I would. there I would, were so many you, different ways this could
1: have gone and you gone. might do this
0: you might do this call hungover on that tuesday so <laughs> hey byron hey tom <laughs> how uh,
1: you doing boys? you know what
0: i love about this day he's gonna be like what competition is low this week on viewing homes on touring homes. i I agree with this that's what i I love about this week tom so what do you say we get out there when nobody else is and go tour some homes right just have fun with it if you have fun seriously because if you have fun with your if your your database your clients like that and get them to laugh like lisa just did they're more likely to want to pick up your call in the future if everything is you know Throwing up on the phone with them following up. Nobody wants to be followed up on or followed or any of that crap.
1: You know what? Sounds like you might been... be
2: following me with that voice
0: though. I don't know. Exactly. No, I think it, I think it would byron... be a high converter. It's totally changing the, the tonality there.
1: We've byron, been giving I'll Byron like right now. funny faces in our thumbnail. I think this one has to be Dirty Santa.
2: <laughs> bad santa you get the billy Bob. You <laughs> that movie. Okay. that's a good one i should watch Holiday that movie classic. that is that is my favorite christmas movie um i should force no one else likes to it watch in my family that. i i don't i don't know man Not they're a little young and they're girls yeah. yes yeah maybe we can get leo to watch it he would appreciate it he's uh he's he lisa knows he he would he would like that so um i actually agree with you byron and i was talking to uh one of the agents on our team kevin heatherby and he um you know, Fourth of July was on a weekend this year, and we, I think we I was going on vacation like that weekend. You know what he did? He stayed up here and worked the whole weekend and put two sales on the board July second when a lot of people were taking off, right? And, and it was you know, because there's no competition. You see this happen all the time. that's That's a great, great uh, piece of advice there because if you can get a couple extra deals in and book them early, think about what that does for your momentum of your business, right? You're coming into forget January, you're doing deals the day after Christmas on that week when everyone's taking off. That, that, that's going to make you feel better. It's going to give you more energy. It's going to give you more confidence. So there, there's a lot of pluses to that. Just work on your tonality and don't sound like Byron. That would be my advice. I think you can, I think you can sound like me and convert at a high level. Here's another thing you should be doing during that week.
0: You should have a plan for it now, just in place. So plug and play, it, it executes during that week, and more importantly, the 31st and the 1st, is how are you systematically tracking the expireds that are going to happen in your MLS that week the 31st, the first, the first week of January, the cancellations, the expireds. how are you systematically tracking and attacking those opportunities? Not waiting till mid-January to create a list and attack, attacking them as they roll off. What's the plan for that? It's pretty easy to come up with one. Um, so get it done and implemented. That, that'd be my advice for end of the year as well.
1: Yeah. Well, so we got a couple more minutes because I have an interview that I've got to dash off to. Yeah. But so where do we wanna there's I think
2: we, we had a
0: bunch of other things. stuff we're gonna talk about.
2: So, so the, the DOJ oh, no. has right, has reared correct. their second face. Lisa, you know a lot about this. They have a the, the two face geo DOJ. They were now hearing uh, there's an appeals court hearing right now uh about reopening the DOJ probe into NAR and If you're going to talk about losers of the year, NAR has got to be right at the top of the list. Like, I mean, this is something that doesn't happen often. Uh, And in 2020, just to bring everyone up to speed, the antitrust division agreed to a settlement after investigating trade group uh, listing and agent compensation policies for NAR. And then NAR filed a petition in 2021 to set aside or modify the probes into the trade group. Then in late January 2023, uh, Tim Kelly, he's a judge of the U.S. District Court in D.C., uh, ruled in favor of NAR, stating the early settlement terms were still valid. And now the DOJ is appealing that ruling. And the question is whether, this is from the DOJ, uh, the question is whether in addition to agreeing to close its investigation, the division made a commitment not to reopen it. And that's what's being discussed right now. Uh, Another L in the column. Yeah,
1: it's to be clear, it's over the clear cooperation policy and the yes. participation rule. And the settlement is part of what we all kind of saw shake out a, a bit ago where buyer agency compensation had to become very public on all listings. And that was kind of NAR's solution to kind of making it transparent, if you will, by by posting out publicly what was being offered as buyer agency compensation.
2: Well, like, so it, remember when the clear cooperation rule came out and people were, were a little up in arms and I, I've talked to a couple of attorneys about this it, You know, the, with, with these commission lawsuits and everything going on, it's not so much the commission it's, you got to pay a real, a buyer agent. You have to offer compensation. You have to list the home on the MLS or you can get, yep. I think it's a $5,000 fine. At least it is for bright where we are locally here. Yeah. And So it, it's. It's silly to me that you the the NAR is telling sellers how to market their properties, right? And they're they're almost forcing, hey, you either got to go FISBO or you gotta find someone that's not part of NAR. And and that's where the I, I don't agree with that rule. I think it's a silly rule. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And that that's the problem here, right? It's not so much paying buyer agents because I, I believe a buyer agent is is a well deserved asset. It's no different than going to eviction court and having your own attorney for the tenant and the landlord, right? So that's the challenge here and these rules that nar comes up with oh we want to make it fair well you might have just fucked the whole industry nar and that's the problem here and they didn't want to hear it when this came out like they were they were very against it they were oh this is the right thing to do well a seller can sell their home however they want
1: agreed and i think it's uh, not only that i think that by virtue of agents having to be members of nar in order to join some mls's which is the situation that we're in in new hampshire uh, I think you are both in those situations in Pennsylvania and Connecticut I think we get roped in there in Connecticut as well um, it doesn't allow agents to act in what might be the best interest of their clients which is the biggest issue that I have with it uh, because I, I I do agree that this particular rule was slanted towards benefiting the industry as opposed to benefiting consumers where it might not be in their best interest for a variety of reasons to list their home in the multiple listing service now I understand, It was at some level maybe intended to help all buyer agents and therefore all buyers have access to listings uh, and to kind of take out some of the proliferation of pocket listings where certain consumers didn't have access to it, but it ended up, I'm pretty clear it ended up being not in the benefit of consumers as somebody who has paid fines for violating that um whatever I'm salty about well, it
2: and you should be and i mean and, and what ended up happening with this is now you have companies they i mean they have like their own coming soon program or their own in-house yep. listings I, I think it's made it worse with the rule than it was before and now and and like i've i've been in listing appointments where they say well you know, we're, we're a little concerned about inventory. So we're going to go with this other company because they have this coming soon program, like, and, and it's, it's become more of a problem. And when you cut off and say there, here's how you have to do business. And you have to do it these certain ways. Right. Again, like NAR doesn't own these houses. We don't own these houses. These are assets of people. And no one tells you how you got to sell your, like, are there rules like this for cars, do you have to put your car on car or Carvana? No, you don't. It's not that different. Um, so that, that's the challenge here. And it, it I mean, obviously the, the clear cooperation rule hasn't been rolled back. The compensation, forced compensation has, and it's, you know, again, like, where's N A R and all this? You don't hear anything from these guys and gals. Yeah, well, NAR,
0: part of the
1: problem is guys, they,
0: they continue to,
1: yes,
0: I, I, <laughs> I they continue to show their incompetence. I mean, just in the, um, Illinois trial, uh, that morale, That was going to be quarter one. Now it looks like it's going to be quarter four when they go to trial next year, even in their communications with that judge, you've got NAR saying one thing, Keller Williams attorney saying completely different thing. They just continue the the conversations obviously here with the DOJ. The DOJ is like, yeah, no, you you don't make any sense. Like everything that they do lately seems to be wrong, seems to be a bad strategic move
2: like they've got
0: no business chops in in, when they're in these rooms it's depressing to see uh DOJ though is is pretty much a useless uh division in our (laughs) society as well so you've got two uh two bags of crap going at it on this one
2: I think South Park said it best. It's like the giant douche versus the turd sandwich. So that's, uh, that's the kind of situation we're in. <laughs> that's exactly right.
1: I'm going to use that all day now. I mean,
2: to,
0: to NAR's defense, they did have a settlement that got pulled out under, yes. you know, from underneath them. Um, I'm not, you know, that's aside from the fact of what you guys are talking about with clear cooperation. I agree there.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and, and this is not normal for this to happen. And obvi- and this happened right after the administration changed in Washington. So, I mean, there's obviously some other stuff going on here. I mean, let's call it what it is. Um, this is just another they're, – they're like these, like, bumbling idiots. Like, you ever see, like, the guy, like, coming at, like uh, – you know, like, you've probably seen this with co-op agents or others. They walk in, they got a big stack of papers. They're falling all over the place. It's like a cartoon character now that NAR has become with this just bumbling morons that uh, don't know what they're doing. The other key piece of information here – we'll see how this shakes out. It's, it's not going to – I think you might see the clear cooperation will we'll get rolled back. I think that's probably the the end game here. Yeah. Uh, so we have this last thing. There was a bill introduced by, uh, in the US House of Representatives and US Senate. Uh, it's been introduced in both chambers, designing a ban on hedge funds from participating in single family housing market uh, investing. Um, and part of the bill includes not only stopping them from doing it, but divesting their assets over 10 years This is fascinating. I think this could have an impact on affordability and some other things, although what uh, they're saying coming out of the U.S. government is that likelihood of passage is low. Um, What do you two think about all this as we wrap up here?
0: I think it was a smart move by Democrats in both the House and the Senate to propose this, even if it doesn't get passed. We're going into an election year, and the Democrats can say, we're the only ones that have a plan to help inventory uh, across the country you know this is a plan to over a 10-year period um help get single-family inventory that already exists you don't have to go and build it back to you know everyday consumers it's why i you know when i i said i think you mentioned the housing wire having skepticism of this getting passed it's why i have a hard time believing that republicans would not support this not make this bipartisan this seems like an easy thing to make bipartisan because you know you're not uh you're getting a lot of support from the public i mean i, I put this on x and it's up to 145,000 views when i typically get like a thousand views on a good post on act like people are supportive of this the only argument on the other side that I don't know if you'd even take it into consideration with where we're at on inventory. But the argument against this would be well, now a seller has less buyers um when they go to list their homes. But something has to be done in <clears throat> okay, quarter three of this year, only point four percent of uh homes were, you know, institutional buyers, single family rentals bought by Institutional buyers. But what was the number? 0.4%. So it was down from like 2.4% a year ago. Okay. So it's come down dramatically. But in Charlotte, in just June of this year, 26% of single family homes were bought by institutional buyers. So because Charlotte's going to be a booming market over the next 10 to 15 years, there's so much industry moving in there. Yeah. so they're they're mo- like they've done in other areas they're attacking one area and that is out of control you can't have institutional buyers going at 26% in the month of june on all purchases um i mean i, I don't know would you i would i would support this bill um you know i think i would ultimately support it just because of where we are on inventory um, I still want them to come up with a plan that helps create new inventory at an affordable rate. Nobody's been able to do that, but I don't know. Would you guys support this? It's a hard one because you don't want to say
2: you know, I mean, I, I invest in real estate, so I I think that there's got to be a clear definition of what's an institutional investor. Like, I mean, I, I would like, I, I mean, we don't know what the bill says. I mean, I, I know what it means. This, so this not get you, me wrong, but, but you it,
0: couldn't you couldn't start a syndication.
2: You and yeah, said, I, I, I mean, hear you. couldn't I'm start just, a
0: syndication and go and buy single family homes. It says that. Um Corporations. does it put a
1: cap like does it allow that so uh, the thing is that i do believe that there is a need for some volume of single family rentals
2: yes yes um and I think we can all agree on that
1: that's where i'm like you know from that from that perspective i, I think that there's maybe a middle ground where you know i, I think 26 percent or you know even 10 percent frankly of purchases is too high But I do think that there is a need, especially in areas in the short term where there is a lot of movement. And think about how many people are moving into places and don't necessarily have the means or the ability or just through the knowledge to decide to buy a place upon relocating into an area. But if you've got a family or, you know, pets or whatever, you don't necessarily want to be living in an apartment or a townhome or, you know, vertical living of any kind. There are some people and I. I know myself, if i as I've been between homes in the past, I have always wanted to rent a single family residence. There's a need.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not saying there's not a need for single family um rentals, and and this still wouldn't take out the you know, the everyday investor. Um but
2: and I yeah, don't I hate-
1: see the everyday investor buying single families as rentals. Like I I I see folks who
2: so I, I disagree because I've done that, right? um and and we've uh, part of our portfolio that we, that we have with my partner our single family homes. It depends on the market in a lot of cases, too. This that's is in Kentucky, fair. so that's a little different than Boston or Philadelphia, for example, where it it you're you're not going to see as much of that. Um, but so to keep going, Lee. I just want to bring some actual data to the table
1: well and and maybe part of it is regional, right? like but so if I look at it up here, the typical Single family rental is owned by somebody who bought it, not for the purposes of investment, but bought it and then either had a great interest rate or, you know, was just getting ready to upside upsize and held it a, a little bit longer in order to take advantage of the asset. Uh, but we don't see like you're not going to buy a single family rental in Massachusetts with our average housing cost where it is necessarily. Right. I don't know. I I I'm. I'm not a yes or a no. I I think like Tom said, I need to see the bill because I do think that there is a need for single family rentals, and I think there's also a need for professionally managed single family rentals. Okay, um,
0: I like the I like that argument, and, and we've got coverage on it on nowbam.com. So anybody that wants to read more about the bill, it's a 14-page bill. Obviously, it's just a proposal. Um, and I, I want to walk back. I, I I guess I wouldn't support it as constructed. Um, but i would support stopping institutional buyers from owning 26% of single family rentals in a place like charlotte like there's got to you know that that starts can start to swell when you compound that over in that market <laughs> over the next 10 15 years and i love david howard david howard is the chief executive of national rental home council um who is against this bill um, I love the quote in the now BAM piece policies really need to be shaped and crafted so that they support the production investment yes. and development of new housing. I think bills that work uh, against that ultimately are just going to perpetuate the challenges we're already facing. And this is the problem with, um, you know, the, the government fixes they never address that what David Howard is talking about the production and investment of new single-family affordable housing they continue to regulate make it hard on developers to do that all right i know um me and lisa both have a hard stop you probably do too tom but
2: uh, i have an interview that just showed up so let's roll all right all right catch you guys next week